Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Patriots 4th and 2, the official podcast of PatsFans.com. And welcome to another episode of Patriots 4th and 2. I am your host today, Derek Havens, and joining me, as always, is Mr. Steve Balsheria. We are both PatsFans.com bloggers. Hopefully, our other co-host, Russ Goldman, will be joining us shortly. Uh, he's just a little running behind this morning. First and foremost, I want to wish all our listeners and viewers on YouTube, uh, hope you had a happy new year. Hope you had a healthy, safe, fun holiday season. Uh, we apologize for uh, not being able to get together last week. It was hard. I was traveling. I know Steve had people in town, uh, you know, visiting uh, and just kind of it just kind of got away from us there. Plus, I had the flu also tis the season. <laughs> so uh, probably. Probably for the best, but Steve, we have uh, plenty of things to talk about. Uh, it's a really, really, um, I guess, unsettled NFL situation right now, and and the and the tip of that uh, came from an incredibly uh, scary moment on uh, um, this past uh, this past week, and what was, you know, I guess deemed one of the more anticipated regular season games between the Bengals and Bills uh, this season uh, certainly took a turn that I don't think anyone anticipated, uh, certainly didn't want, uh, where Bills defensive back DeMar Hamlin uh, collapsed on the field after making a tackle. Actually, and everyone kind of listening knows the story. Anyone who listens to this podcast has seen the story. It's been, it's been, you know, obviously – <clears throat> very well covered uh and i just want to take a minute to just um you know just say you know praying for for this young man it was a very very really raw and um horrifying incident uh to say the least and uh just really kind of jarring uh you know even if you know you're a sports fan you just see just you went from being a really big sports fan to being like holy crap, this is a really big like human moment where it's so relatable and you see just so much hurt and pain and sadness and, and, and shock. And it was just, it just a really wild roller coaster of emotions. Um, uh, you know, I, I just praying for his family, for his friends, for his teammates, just a really, really scary situation. Um, Steve, uh, share, share your thoughts on the Mar Hamlin situation. Something, uh, that you just never want to see on any sports field uh, at any event. Uh, it was, you know, just give me your, give me how you felt and, and your reaction to that situation. Oh, uh, like you watching the game. Cause you know, it was, uh, you know, billed as one of the biggest games of the year, which it yeah. was, yeah. I was looking forward to watching a great football game between two excellent football teams. Mm. And then to see that, you know it's a scary situation and then to see the reaction on the players then you know it becomes even worse at that point um you know i thought the uh, espn crew you know i thought they did an admirable job i know absolutely joe buck comes under a lot of criticism all the time but this was something that i thought you know these guys have never faced before uh, talking about because they're the 
television announcers and they're at a loss for words like everyone else was. But, you know, I, I thought they handled it really classily and I absolutely loved uh, what one commentator said. And that's this guy I frequently agree and disagree with, with Ryan Clark, because, you know, he was talking about th- these guys can't go back out and play, play you know, after mm-hmm. um, all what happened. I thought Lisa Salters, who was an investigative reporter, handled things really well. But I mean, it was shocking to say the least. And you know, back when I was a kid, I remember watching a game in uh, October 1971 about Chuck Hughes, the Lions receiver. Yes, yeah. And I remember um, watching that, and then you know he was going back to his huddle because as a kid, you'd never expect to see anything like that on a football field. You think of these guys as indestructible, you know? Yep. And I watched them collapse. And then Dick Butkus, you know, the opposing guy was waving to the Lions bench like uh, like we saw on Monday night. And it ended up Hughes passed away. He They couldn't revive him back then. You know, they didn't have the defibrillators and, you know, whatnot yep. that they do today. But uh, he passed away. Later on, it was learned he had advanced heart disease, like of a 75, 80-year-old, you know, but no one knew, even though he had been complaining about chest pains and and stuff to the Lions staff prior to the game. So it was, it was heart-wrenching to see that because I'm thinking, oh, my, here we go again, you know, and he actually, you know, he stopped living there on the field. They had to do CPR. Uh, twice on him, once on the field and once when he got to the hospital again. And that's um, that's some scary stuff, and it transcends football at that point. Yeah, no, it does. And it's 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 something that, thankfully, the NFL hasn't seen in 50 years. Um, and, again, I thought Ryan Clark, I thought he had some excellent comments on Scott Van Pelt's show mm-hmm. um, on ESPN, too, where he was – talking about, you know, the human element of everything. And I, I just think I just keep getting back to that. Like when you saw like there was a couple of shots of some of the Bills players when they kind of made a wall. Um, I I'll, first and for I also want to say this before I say what I was going to say. I think I think the what the what the Bills, how the Bills players acted, how the Bengals players reacted um, how Zach Taylor for the the Bengals head coach and Sean McDermott, the Bills head coach. I thought everyone on that field handled that situation about as well as you could possibly expect. Uh, I give I give Zach Taylor a ton of credit for immediately walking over to Sean McDermott and and just trying to figure out you know the situation and take care of him because McDermott you know was uh, was you know, a mess and the, the look and the, and the, and the line in, in some of the, the players eyes, you know, like some of the linemen, some, you know, Josh and Josh Allen's reaction. It was just mm-hmm. like, you just knew the panic in their eyes. It was, it just hit you. It hit you. It hit you from, you know, just right in the fields. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah. Anyway, it is definitely a situation that, man, we are just hoping for some good news. And it seems like he, the young man is progressing, um, in a positive direction. I, you know, just based on very limited information, but anyway, again, just praying for him and his family. I think it's one of the coolest things that's come out of this is how much money has been raised for Jamar Hamilton's, uh, uh, for his foundation, which, uh, produces an annual toy drive for kids. And I just think that's really incredible. He was, you know, you go from having, a, a goal of having $2,500 for toys for kids. And it's raised over $5 million yeah. in 48 hours. It's just absolutely incredible. Well, it, it shows that, you know, the NFL fans, sure. Um, you know, they, they realize the difference between rooting for your team and rooting for a player to live. And that's, oh, sure. A, that's a, such a big thing. And I thought the, the crowd in, you know, in the stadium and, you know, online, I think everyone handled it very well because at that point, you know, it was about life or death and not about, you know, who wins the football game. At that point, it doesn't even matter. And I I thought 
you know, like you said, it was a really poignant moment watching the Bills players. And Booger McFarlane also made some great comments, you know. He did. Uh, yeah, in, he was excellent. Yeah. The whole I mean, crew was, all, was, was absolutely incredible. Uh, yes. Um, you know, I'm frequently cr- critical of sure. those guys. But I thought Monday night was, I mean, they handled that, I think, as absolute best as you possibly could in that type of situation. Well, even Booger McFarland said that he was eating dinner. Yeah. And he got a call saying, like, hey, you got to get back on air. And he's like, what do you want us to say? <laughs> like, right. you, yeah, him and Adam Schefter say, both, right? yeah, they both felt the same way. We don't know what we're supposed to say in this. And, I, again, it's really tough. But the one thing I took away from that, you know, was McFarland and, and Clark both said the same thing. We're trained to be violent on the field. That's our job. So we can take the sprains, we can take the bruises, we can take the broken bones, you know. But when it becomes life or death, all that goes out the window. And then you become a human again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of paraphrasing there, but you know where I'm coming from with that. But it was it was really, really difficult. And I felt so bad for everyone, you know, involved with that, with the Bills, the Bengals. I mean, think of how T. Higgins must feel right now. You know, I know he he uh, uh, sent a message to the the family. I mean, it wasn't anything intentional. It's just, no, of course it's not. just the the way the way the game is played. You know, sure, he probably feels just horrible. I don't think anyone needs to <laughs> needs to ponder how he's feeling. I can't imagine it's good. You know, so it's it's a really really a a uh, it was just a surreal situation on so many levels and. Uh, again, I, I'm just, you know, hoping, hoping for the best, Steve. I mean, that's all, yeah, that's all absolutely. we can do. And, you know, you know, and look, okay. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to sound callous here. Of course I, but there are football ramifications too. Okay. As you know, and so it's a weird ripple effect that I don't know what the NFL is going to do. I really exactly. don't. I mean, they're in a pickle, uh, they're in a pickle. So it's like, do you call the Bengals bills a tie uh do you try to push things back um you know a week they've, they've been talking about eliminating the week uh you know the bye week before the super bowl and trying to create like a week 19 so to speak um and it's just a really weird situation because even if you call the bills Bengals a tie well they were battling for the number one seed and does that leave a team potentially out like i you know there's just so many questions steve that we don't really know the answers to so just, you know, how we'll, we'll talk about this for a second. Um, I'm going to share one or two thoughts on the Bengals game because I was in attendance, which was nice. Uh, and we'll talk about the Dolphins game. And then I don't think we're going to even preview the Bills game, Steve. Uh, I think what we're going to do is <clears throat> wait to see what the NFL decides to do. If they decide to play the Patriots-Bills game this weekend, then we'll do another show for 15 you know, 20 minutes talking about the Bills game. And if they push it back a week, then we'll just save the preview for next week. Okay, so that's kind of what we'll we'll do. But what do you think the NFL should do? Like, if you were commissioner, how would you handle this situation? Um, if that's it was a loaded me, question. <laughs> yeah, if it was me, I would pick up the game where it stopped on Sunday. And then... I would push the Bills Patriots game to maybe Thursday and then add in and uh, the push the entire schedule back. Yep. I, I think that's the only way you could really do it, you know, in a football sense, to be fair to all the teams that are involved, because there's so many scenarios that could play out because of that Bills Bengals game and the Bills Patriots game. I mean, it's all interconnected. So while you want the game to be played, um, I don't know. I mean, that's such a difficult position, but I think, you know, with the ramifications of the game itself, I think maybe you pick that game up on um, Sunday, you move the Patriots game back to Thursday. And then, you know, I, and again, it, it throws another curveball in the wrench because what if Buffalo loses the game to Cincinnati 
And, you know, they now they're no longer the number one seed. Then they play the Patriots. You know, the Patriots could still make the playoffs, even if they lose the game. So then you're going to ask them to play on Thursday and then play again on Sunday. I mean, that you can't do that. No, but I, I just think there's, too, I think there's too many obstacles. Um, I think yeah. there's too many obstacles to keep doing that because I think it starts a, like a kind of a domino effect that I'm not sure you can stop. Uh, and so to me, the only thing I can think of is, and I'm sure people won't like it, but call the game a tie. Um, you, you might need to push everything back a week anyway. Cause I just don't know if player, I don't know where players are. Like, I don't know I, I mean, in terms of mentally, I, you know, I, I'm sure it affected a lot of, play, I mean, obviously it affected a lot of players who weren't even at the game, you know, who weren't even, you know, weren't even there. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I, I, I just think the, you're eliminating the week before the Super Bowl seems like the only thing that you can really do without starting that massive ripple effect. And I don't know, I don't know what the right answer is. I have no idea. And I've been kind of curious just seeing how the NFL has handled this whole situation. And I know they got a lot of criticism, um, you know, the night of the incident um, because they said, you know, they, because the officials told the, um, you know, the players that, you know, Hey, you know, warm up for five minutes and then we'll, we'll get back started. You know, Troy Vincent, of course, shot it down. I, I don't know what, I don't know what they, I don't know what they said. Uh, maybe that's like procedure when someone gets taken off the field, but I don't know what procedure is. I don't know if anyone knows if someone has a cardiac event on the field, right? So it's like, I don't know. I think every I think everyone was handling the situation like they had never seen it before because they, like, like to your point, it hasn't happened in 50 years, thankfully. So yeah. it's one of those situations where I think everyone was kind of scrambling and then people were wondering why the league um, didn't cancel the game sooner. And I had the same first reaction. My only thought, my only thought there was that they were just kind of, they had let the pl- the coaches kind of figure out like, Hey, you guys read the room and you tell me what we need to do. And maybe, I think there was a lot of back and forth communication because I know people don't want to think about things like this, but I think the NFL knows how much money it generates, you know, how many people are watching it, and they know how many connections they have, and there's sponsorships to think about, and there's a gambling aspect if you really want to go down that road of, of you know, and, and all their connections to, to sports books. And I know that's kind of a weird, again, I'm not trying to be callous. I'm just talking about the ripple effect of, of all the little things the league is probably going through. It probably looked like the trading room floor you know, that, you know, when everything was going down because there's just so many moving parts. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not one to not, (laughs) I certainly have criticized the league plenty, just as you and I have criticized ESPN in the past. I'm kind of giving them a pass slightly, slightly on this one because I don't have all the information and I'm sure they were, they were, there was a lot of things they were trying to figure out too, that were kind of unprecedented. You know, it's like, how do you, how do you really handle a situation like that? Well, I I think it all stems from the public announcement that they're going to take a five minute break and come back and finish the game. If they that hadn't been said, I don't think the league would have been criticized as much because at the, mm. you know at the same time in New York they don't know what's going on with the players. I mean they can see it on TV as well as everyone else, but um, you know I how the players feel about that but that i think that announcement was what threw everyone into a tizzy myself included because i was like how do you expect these guys to go back out in five minutes and play i think if that had been removed from the equation i don't think the league would have been criticized as much because again they hadn't dealt with anything like this in over 50 years so nobody in the league office was probably alive at the time well maybe a few but yeah but they were all young young teenagers or something you know kids you know it's not again it's not it's not a situation i'm i'm sure i don't know i'm sure deep 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 into the you know the guidelines there's probably something in there uh but it's not something that they're going to be regularly preparing for you know and it's yeah again it was a really weird situation so it's and i say weird it's probably the worst word choice I could use, but it, there was just a lot of different things happening. And 
again, I I think that how the Bills and Bengals staffs and players handled the situation was about as well as you could handle it. Top so, notch. Uh, I top notch. That, absolutely. I give a lot of credit to the to the Bills and Bengals coaches because you know when they made that announcement, Zach Taylor walked right over the you know to the Bills sideline and talked to Sean McDermott and basically saying. I yeah. don't think we should play. I mean, yeah. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know what they said, but it seemed like they were in total agreement with that, you sure. know. And, you know, McDermott was emotional himself. I mean, you watch that happen to one of your players. That is, I mean. Well, totally. I think you just go, you know, you go into these games, Steve, uh, you know, and these guys, these are professionals and there's a lot of, there's a lot of emotion going into the game. There's a lot of passion for what they do. They both know it's a big game. So there's a lot of adrenaline and you get all this pent up energy and then it totally shifts. And I think that shift just would, would rattle anybody's psyche. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so it's, it's like you go from, you're going from, you know, a hundred and all of a sudden you have to slam on the brakes and it's just like wait what <laughs> like it's again it trust was, me i know how that works yeah and i know you do so um, um we have some great comments over there i don't know if you wanted to share oh yeah yeah i could share i can share some um all right well let's see here okay well we got chris coming in here too um <laughs> chris is always there for us yeah of course uh chris says i cannot see the nfl game being played between the but Bills and Bengals, I'm with you, Chris. I, I Again, I keep getting back to that. I don't know how you go back to that game. I just don't know. I just think it throws a wrench in terms of scheduling. Um, but I'm fascinated to see, again, how they handle that. Um, let's see here. Rhonda Merrill writes in, they need to stop blaming others. It, it, it just happened. You need to do a prayer for them. I agree. I mean, that's really all you can do. I, don't, I, I, I thought that Bart Scott's commentary on ESPN was um, – certainly tone deaf and, and uh, did not, I, I did not like his commentary at all. Um, putting some of the blame on T Higgins, I thought was absolutely ridiculous. Oh, really? I didn't see that. Oh yeah. It wasn't good. I mean, it was, yeah. Skip it was, Bayless was extremely tone deaf. Yeah. So here's the thing. I want to, I want to get back to, uh, I want to get to Skip's comments and this is a one to dance around. I thought it was really poorly timed. I thought it was really poorly worded. Um, I think that I can under, I don't think it was a malicious thing, obviously. Um, but I think it was just really poorly worded. I, I think I kind of understood where he was going, but it was just not the time to be making a no. comment like that. It was just, and it, 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 it made it, I can under, again, I can understand kind of where he was going, but it was so poorly timed and so poorly worded that man, he got a lot of blowback for it and he should have, I mean, look, you, 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 he's paid for what he says and his, his opinions, um, whether you care about him or not, that's what he's paid to do. Uh, and I thought that his opinion and his timing here was, was worth awful. the criticism and it was awful. I <laughs> it agree. was awful. It took I mean, away, talk about, talk about not accepting any human element into your take at all, Steve, you know, it's like, he was like, it, it was like treated him like he was like a gladiator on the, you know, in Rome or something, you know, it's like, I, I it was, it was just really, yeah, really, really bad. I, I, I think he deserved a lot of the criticism and I think his network was pissed. I thought, I know his co-host was, and there was some, a lot of drama there. Um, and, and again, likely I, I, I think it was deserved to be honest. Um, so uh, do you have any um, final thoughts on anything else with the situation, Steve? No, I think we covered everything, and we just hope you know the uh, the player Demar Ham recovers completely, and you know he's able to enjoy a full, happy life. At this point, football is is way in the backseat. He's only twenty four years old, yep. so you know, hate saying that to anybody. But more than anything, we just want to see him recover because, again, transcends football. You know, he's not a Buffalo Bill in this situation. He's a human. Yep. And you don't want to see anyone die doing what they, you know, chose to do in their life and what their passion. So, 
Yeah, you know, especially at that age and everything, too. There's just so many factors. But, yes, again, prayers for DeMar Hamlin and his family. We're going to step aside for podcast purposes and just take a quick break, and we will be right back after this. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, Steve. Um, I just wanted to come back in and I'm going to share a couple thoughts on the Bengals loss. The reason I'm doing this is because I had the fortune um, of going with uh, my uh, fiance's family uh, we had absolute great time at the game, um, except for, you know, the final result. Uh, but uh, Steve, I did something I was, I haven't done before. I, I was on the field pre and post game, which was awesome. Uh, pre game, uh, walked around a little bit on the Bengals sideline. I ran into Scott Zolak. I ran into Phil Perry, which was nice. Ran, uh, talked to Andre Tippett for a minute. Uh, you know, so it was cool to be on the field there from that perspective. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, obviously, you know, for the game, I don't I know this is old commentary now. I'll just say this. I was so disappointed in the Patriots' first half performance. I thought their second half performance, they took they took advantage of some Bengals mistakes. But I thought the most disappointing thing was that for the second week in a row, you had your, you know, one of your best offensive players kind of, you know, give the game away. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, Stevenson had the, you know, poor debacle in, in Las Vegas the week prior, and then he fumbles it heading into the end zone five yards out uh, or inside five yards um, as, you know, towards the end of the game for this one. So it was just really disappointing. Uh, it was just like one of those things where you're like, wow, they're about to come back. And this is a, this would be a very big marquee win, uh, you know, versus an excellent team in the, in Cincinnati. And then it just, is for not uh so that was that was really really disappointing um and then post game like i said i was on the field with um you know my family so that was exciting that was that was that was a fun thing just as a personal moment but for the game steve just a really disappointing thing and just if you have any thought on this if you i was just sharing that but if you have any thought on that we'll, well get to the Dolphins game yeah that that Bengals game i mean you know uh you and i talked offline about the uh, the Vegas game, you know, and the way it ended, I, I was worried that it was going to carry over to the next week against the Bengals and they might not recover from it. In that first half, it certainly looked that way. It looked like they had packed it in, you know, and then they came back in the second half. The, once again, the defense ignited his team. They gave him a touchdown and all of a sudden it looked like they woke up and they played some really good football in the second half. They shut out the Bengals. I think Joe Burrow only had like 91 yards passing in the second half. They shut down the run. I thought, you know, it, it allowed the offense to finally wake up and actually do something. So, um, but too little too late and they fumbled it away. And I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, uh, forward progress has stopped because it played a role in the Miami game. And, you know, you have to wonder if that call was made there, maybe the Patriots win. Yeah, it was weird because we have certainly seen whistles quicker, uh, you know, in terms of forward progress stops, especially when a guy starts going backwards. Uh, but, you know, I thought the ref, I thought the referee official, I thought the referee's explanation afterwards, I thought was a good one. He thought the legs, you know, he, even though Ramondre started going slightly backwards, his legs were still kind of pumping 
and he was really fighting for it. And, you know, I'm sure that might be a good teaching moment for Bill where it's like, you know, you start to go backwards. That's where you start to get worried about ball security issues. And I think an underlying factor of this, Steve, is that Stevenson has some ball security questions that I, uh, you know, he's had a couple of fumbles in his last two years. So I think it's something to just kind of keep an eye on. I don't, I don't think it's a big problem, but he there, he's had a couple of fumbles and if you, more than you think. So I don't know, something to think about. It was a disappointing finish. Um, but again, that was just a couple of weeks ago. I just wanted to share that, you know, I was at the game and I know we didn't do a show last week. So, you know, we could flip it over to this past week where the Patriots beat the Dolphins 23, 21, uh, I thought it was a really exciting, uh, really, you know, really exciting game, uh, you know, for the Patriots to pull out um, mistakes on both sides of the ball, almost hurt them several times. Give me your opening take on the Patriots Dolphins game from this past week. Well, you know, one of the keys I, I put out prior to the game was they had to start fast from a change for a change, you know, in the last uh, three games, you know, they had been outscored in the first half 69 to 20. And they keep digging themselves into these holes where they can't dig out because, you know, the offense isn't good enough, I guess is one way of putting it, to, uh, to dig themselves out of it. So I said, you know, uh, one of the keys this week, start fast. Don't dig yourself into a hole. And their first drive, I thought, hey, you know, they they look like they're awake. They look like they're motivated. And they move the ball down the field. Um, I thought the catch by Tyquan Thornton really got them pumped up. Um, and, hey, call it for what it is. Matt Patricia came up with a creative play call down at, the, you know, the one or two-yard line, wherever they were. To, to make sure that Thornton had a free release and he was able to catch the ball and score a touchdown. And I was like, where's that been? Because that those are the kind of plays they need. There was, and, a, there was a couple of, a couple of play designs, a couple of plays they ran that we were like, yeah. Oh my God, this is an NFL offense right now. Like where, where has this been? Yeah. And then, you know, um, then all of a sudden they went right back into that funk that we've seen so often this year. Between that drive and the third quarter when they kicked a field goal, they did absolutely nothing again. And it, fans were booing them coming off the field. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, oh, my God, how did they go from that to this again? And, you know, I thought the defense defense deserves extremely high marks. I don't care that the Dolphins had a backup quarterback in because Teddy Bridgewater had – more than double the starts in the NFL that Mac Jones had. So he's not, you know, some career backup who never plays, okay? And he has Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and those guys have a habit of getting wide open. And they weren't. You saw uh, Bridgewater have plenty of time on lots of occasions, and he's having to hold on to the ball because nobody's open. And the fact that the Patriots held them to both 55 yards or less in the game, that's, a, that's what your, uh, you know, your secondary all beat up. I thought that was incredible. I think that the defensive coaches came up with a great game plan and it allowed them, you know, to hang around in this game. And once again, the defense steps up, Kyle Duggar intercepts, you know, returns it for a touchdown. And all of a sudden the Patriots look like, and NFL offense again. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I absolutely totally agree. And you know, look, the game did change a little bit uh, when Teddy Bridgewater uh, came out of the game with an injury. Skylar Thompson came in. Uh, Thompson was pretty erratic, as you would expect for a <laughs> a young third string quarterback. Uh, and really, really, ha- uh, you know. It, it took a lot of what Miami wanted to do away, Steve. But again, I think, like to your point, I think you said the, the Patriots' defense still deserves credit for this game. I thought they played well. I, I know some sometimes I think people are a little harder on the defense than they should. If you go through the season, the defense is the reason they've been in you know position to to win a lot of these games. So it's you know something to keep in mind. Uh, you know, aside from you know one or two runs, I thought the run defense was excellent. 
in this in this game for the Patriots really bottled up uh, what Mike McDaniel was trying to do. Uh, I thought it was a little weird that Miami was not really doing any kind of you know RPO stuff. They were doing a lot of like power runs. It looked kind of like the Patriots running system, uh, you know, at least have passed, and uh, you know they really weren't able to do much you know on the ground. And I think another week. Steve, where Mac Jones did not turn the ball over, which I thought was has been extremely key, not losing possessions there. I thought you saw some nice plays from Thornton, uh, some nice plays from Hunter Henry, from Jacoby Myers. Uh, Damian Harris was in the mix. You know, I, again, I, I think I thought there was a lot of contributions uh, from all the from from both sides of the ball uh, that you know led to this you know very important win. Yeah, you know, going back to Mac Jones, I thought his best throw of the day was kind of lost in the shuffle. That 29-yard pass to Hunter Henry where he he ran a a post-corner route and, you know, there was like three Miami defenders in the area, but Jones dropped it right in the bucket. And, you know, it was a 29-yard game. They ended up hunting on that. But – I thought that was a really good throw. And then, you know, back to the secondary, you know, those guys played tremendous football and the run defense was outstanding. Like you said, Miami came into it with a run mindset. They wanted to run the ball on the Patriots instead of RPOs. They were running right at them, which I found really interesting because I thought, you know, they would do those kind of stretch runs where they try to get to the perimeter. But it seemed like, like you said, a lot of power runs and they ran the ball 27 times. So they they made it a point. They were going to run the ball and they only averaged 3.2 yards per rush. That's outstanding defense. I well, mean, and, you know, I thought Larry, I thought Larry Guy, I thought Christian Barmore looked like Christian Barmore. Barmore uh, I I think awesome. Ju- I think Juwan Bentley has been tremendous this season. Uh, you know, we've been pretty critical of him in the past, but he has looked uh, really strong, uh, especially in this game. He was all over the place. Um, you know, and to your point, to the secondary, I mean, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill were held, held for a combined seven receptions, 107 yards. I mean, you take that all day long against two extremely, <laughs> extre- extremely, uh, you know, talented game breakers. Uh, as, as as I'll term them, um, you know, and they are, you know, they are, you know, one of the best duos in the league, if not the best. So it was, uh, yeah, again, good defensive performance, important game. The Patriots needed to have it. Um, you know, let's, Steve, you know, as we wrap up the show, um, I, I want to talk about, you know, kind of where the Patriots are right now uh, and where they stand. Okay, so. Right now, they're they're standing at eight and eight, and you have an important game with the Bills coming up here. I'm happy to see them right around this point, uh, mostly because I picked them to be eight and nine or nine and eight, and I'll be right <laughs> one way or the other. So that'll be nice. Uh, I'm always I always like being right, uh, but no. In all sincerity, it's a little frustrating uh, with how the season's gone, uh, and we've talked about some frustrations on the offensive side. I'm just a little frustrated because. I feel like they should have already kind of they should really be in the playoffs already. And it goes back to kind of dropping the ball tongue in cheek there with the Raiders loss, which was really all on them. And then the Bengals loss, which was partly on, you know, on on a mistake that really can't happen. So it's just disappointing because in my mind they should be. They should be 10 and six. You know, there's a lot of other games we can go, but I'm talking specifically dumb mistakes that they made at the end of game, critical situations where, yeah, they're eight and eight. They should easily be 10 and six right now. I think they should be 11 and five right now because you go back to that Packers game. They had stopped Aaron Rodgers, had the ball at midfield. You know, you pick up a first down, you're, you're right there in field goal range. And they opted to be ultra conservative there. And for the life of me, I'll never figure out why you do that. And you look, stop- even, even if you want to play that game, you know, look at the difference between eight and eight and, you know, 12 and four. Look, yep. because I would throw the Vikings game in there too, yep. with just a handful of plays, that weird Hunter Henry play and all that. I mean, that's just the, that's the difference in the NFL, which is so hard. You read the difference between 12 and four and eight and eight. We're talking about six, seven plays 
and that's a massive difference in your record. Yep. So it it's and, it's, it's you tough. know they'd still be a very flawed football team. Oh yeah, I but, agree. Yeah, but the, their seating would be already you know locked in, and they might not be facing Buffalo or Kansas City in the very first game. If in fact they do make it to the postseason. You know what I mean? Because I think this defense, as we've seen, can keep them in, you know, the majority of football games. It's just like, I, you know, you look at Buffalo. Buffalo scored 24 points uh, against the Patriots. And a lot of it, you know, this defense gets gassed at the end of games. They held Cincinnati scoreless in the second half. In a game they they really had to have, and they held them to just twenty two points. I think this defense is capable of stealing a game away, but when your offense is just you know sophomoric, yeah. and your special teams has been a disaster for a lot of the games this season, you know it, it the margin for error is zero and. So that that's the frustrating part because I think, you know, if 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 they were even just getting a middle of the road offensive output, they could be dangerous in the playoffs with that defense, because yeah. as we we all know, defense and running game travel. Yeah, and and they travel deep into the season. You're talking about yeah. traveling on the road and you know throughout the marathon, which is a season. And I just want to share two things. Um, from Chris, one to kind of ties into what we're talking about is it's it seems like a wasted year for Mac Jones. Bills made some questionable coaching decision, you know, co- coaching choices, and I mean, you can, we're going to get to we'll get we'll get to those throughout the off season. We have plenty of time to discuss what we're talking about here about his weekly fire Matt Patricia and look at the special teams rant and what's going on with the players and coaching Chris. I am with you. I am with you all the way. Um, you know, we will do that. And he also has a question about. Can you explain the lack of Kendrick Bourne, especially after his performance against the Bengals? And and honest, I'm going to be as honest and boring as I possibly can be right here. I am so confused by the Kendrick Bourne situation for the entire year. I can't even begin to tell you. I have no clue. I don't get it. Nothing about it makes sense. They use him against the Bengals, and you're like, where has this guy been all year? This is the guy that Patriots fans have been clamoring for. They He had such a good season, and then he is non-existent, disappears. It makes no sense, Steve. I don't understand it. Well, and then, you know, that 89-yard drive that they iced the game with, how does it start? They're on, backed up on their own 11-yard line, and they're, all of a sudden they're like, we're going to run Kendrick Bourne on a you know shallow crosser because he has athleticism. He gets them 16 yards. They're out of, you know, that shadow of the end zone, and now, now they can run their offense. And then as soon as he caught that, nothing. Yep. And that to me is, you know, it's it's not even frustrating. I, I think it's, it's at this point, it's almost criminal what your coaches are doing to this guy. Because, you know, when they do decide to use him, he produces. Granted, his first snap in, he made a blunder. You know, he, he had a false start. And later on um, – I can't remember what play it was, but I, I wrote about it. He he whiffed on a block on one play. But, you know, throw this guy the damn football. I mean. I That's know. how everyone feels. <laughs> I mean, now, at least people. I mean, who, I who love Jacoby Myers, you know. I think he's a fantastic football player. He's got guts. He's got good hands. You know, he's all about the team and all that. But the one thing he doesn't have is yak. You know, wherever he catches it is pretty much where he's going down. And, you know, when you're backed up like that or, you know, when you're in your own end, you have a guy there that can catch the ball and get someone this. Yeah. And, you know, my thing, I look at Tyreek Hill. What do the Dolphins do with Tyreek Hill all the time? Get him into space. They get him into space by putting him in motion. And so he gets a free release. We know Tyquan Thornton, because of his slender frame, struggles with that. So put him in motion, you know, and start using him for what, you know, you. this kid has incredible speed. Utilize it. They started to do it a little bit, you know, on Sunday, 
And I'm like, what has taken you 15 weeks of football to figure out? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think we're all scratching our heads. And it, it goes back to it goes back to wondering what the coaching, you know, the whole offensive coaching system, what's happening behind the scenes, everything. It just makes little to no sense, uh, honestly. And so I, I, I can't explain the Kendrick Bourne thing uh, at all. Uh, but anyway, Steve, so again, <clears throat> we're not going to preview the Bills game because we don't, as of right now, we're recording January 4th. Um, and we don't know if the games are going to be played this weekend. If there's a game this weekend, Steve and I, hopefully Russ, will find a time to do a preview show for the Bills game. Um, I will say we can just – why don't you give me an opening thought on the game coming up with the Bills, whether it's this weekend or next weekend, just a quick opening thought of you know what you think about the game because to me uh, – I, obviously, the Bills have had their way with the Patriots, uh, you know, the better half of three seasons. Um, and we know the, how talented they are um, and how much trouble they've given the Patriots again. But I do think that the Bills are suddenly in a really weird spot, okay? And it's it's who knows mentally how their players are going to handle the rest of the season. And I, I pray that... Buffalo and the league is having some, you know, is having some counseling available and some people that these people guys can talk to, because I don't know how, you know, you know, you can, it's like, what's the appropriate amount of time? You know, how long do you wait? They're still worried about their teammate in the hospital who is making some progress, but they don't know how, you know, it's, it's still a very extremely tentative, tentative situation. He's in, you know, intensive care. And, you know, it's like, how do you, it's like, I don't know how you table that and how certain guys will process it. certain. I mean, would it be overly shocking to you, Steve, if some, if there was two, three, four, five bills players that even say they were playing this weekend, just said, I can't do it. Like I would not be shocked by that. And I don't know. I, I know it's not something that's easy to talk about, but my just thought is I just wonder how the bills players how they react and again it's nothing it's no criticism it's just a no, it, it's just no. a human to human you know understanding emotions and feelings and going through that i just i don't know if the nfl that's why i just don't see how the nfl lets you know these teams play this week and if you don't let these teams play this week maybe you just give the entire league the week off to kind of just have people be with their families and and talk things out and process things and and see how the status of this young man and hopefully improves before you take the field again. Yeah, I, that's a great question because I think if the Patriots go to Buffalo this weekend, they'll get annihilated, honestly, because Probably. that that place is going to be a roller coaster of emotions. That, I agree. Place of absolutely rocking, and I think the, the Buffalo players will respond in kind. Now, if they have to go back to Cincinnati this weekend, I don't know how that will affect them being back on that same field again where all this happened. I would be kind of leery if I was a Buffalo fan if they had to go back because that might have the opposite effect of them playing at home. Would Just in my opinion, I don't know. But Yeah, I mean, no one really knows, right? I mean, no, no. one really knows how the situation is going to play out. And again, it's Wednesday. We have some time before, but I just I know that's kind of a difficult thing that I brought up to discuss. But honestly, it's a real it's a real thing we're talking about. You know, again, we we opened the show talking about the human element of everything, and uh, I'm sorry that's going to factor into the rest of their season. You know, and, oh, absolutely. And so it's like that's why I just it just seems like the right thing to do. Again, I'll say this one last time. I just think the NFL should call that game a tie. You know and and then postpone a week and you know eliminate the bye before the super bowl i think that's the i think in my opinion that's what i would do um but i'm you know i'm not the commissioner i certainly don't have his bank account uh so i Kansas city wouldn't be happy with that <laughs> no they wouldn't they wouldn't be but you know what steve that's another weird thing about this whole situation is calling it a tie i know owners won't say this i know teams and players and coaches won't say this publicly I'm going to say it because I can assure you 
you don't think that a team that's teetering on the playoff line that could be affected by either a Bills loss or a Bengals loss, you know, to get into to get into the playoff picture, you don't think they'll be a little upset that they don't get a chance at the postseason? Even if they care about the young man, everyone would, but no one's going to say that publicly. Of course they won't, you know, and, but, but there would be people who were, who were upset because they didn't get a chance to do that. But again, I think if you, if I'm the commissioner, I'm just telling teams like, look, it's an unprecedented situation. And we, what are we supposed to do? You know, I, I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a right answer in the situation, Steve. I don't either. I, I'm sure the Bengals wouldn't mind because they're kind of set anyway, and they they only had an outside shot at you know getting the number one seed. But um, I don't know. It's it's impossible to judge at this point. Um, we'll see what it all plays out. But yeah, this it's going to be interesting to see how the league responds to this and how they go forward. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. It's, and I'm sure they'll be under criticism one way or the other. Um, but it's, again, it's a situation where, you know, I think everyone is, I think everybody is just trying to navigate these, these muddy murky waters uh, as best they can blindly. So, all right, again, uh, so we'll wrap up the show for the day. Uh, I, again, for just one more time, if they're, if the bills and Patriots play this weekend, we will get a preview show out. If not, we will preview the the uh, the game next week, heading into it. Okay, so we will that that will be tentative. Check our Twitter accounts. They're, if you're watching on YouTube, they're listed below us. Uh, you know, and and check our well, our accounts. We'll let you know when we're gonna when we're gonna do a show. Uh, we are sorry that Russ Goldman couldn't be here. Uh, we was he was he got detained. Uh, we were hoping he was gonna be able to join us at some point, but hopefully we can get him on the preview show because I'm sure he would like to share his thoughts. Um, again, just. Um, one more time, <clears throat> praying for Demar Hamlin and his family, uh, uh, especially uh, you know those close to him, his friends, his teammates, everyone. Uh, just really, really incredibly sad situation, and I hope the young man um, is okay. Steve, uh, any um, any final thoughts? No, I just, um, I mean, we, you know, we've covered it all. I just hope uh, they they figure out a way to proceed. For the rest of the season, you know, in an equitable manner, so no one feels like they were cheated out of anything. And let's just hope that this young man gets his full recovery and is home with his family. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, again, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of Patriots Fourth and Two. As uh, always, as always. Uh, again, I hope you all had a had a fun, healthy, and safe New Year and holiday season. Um, I would like to mention, please subscribe to us on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review, like it, share us. It helps keep us high in the podcast rankings and help other Patriots fans find us. Again, please check out patsfans.com for some excellent content by Steve, by Ian Logue, the rest of the group. Uh, and uh, we will see you guys next week.